This is Naked M.I.P. With Massimella Matfumal. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, in uh, keeping with the season in which we are in, as some are recognizing Thanksgiving, we've also asked those of you who are listeners and elsewhere to also recognize the National Day of Mourning for the indigenous people, for the Native American people. And in particular, we want to talk to some who we've not talked to a great deal in the past. We've talked to indigenous people many, many times, but I wanted to specifically talk to those who were directly affected uh, by this so-called holiday in the 1600s, what happened in Massachusetts, what happened in Plymouth, and get a bit of that perspective. And we found uh, an exceptional brother um, to talk to us about some of that and also to share some of his gifts and talents um, with us uh, because the indigenous people are not uh, lost to history. They are living, walking, breathing, functioning today. So let's lift them up. Why don't we? Uh, happy to have with us a brother. He is actually on the faculty at UMass Dartmouth, but he is known for being someone who is very, very rich with uh, the culture uh, and very, very blessed in terms of the culture. And so we're happy to have him with us. His, uh, I, guess, I guess what we would call his government name is uh, Dr. Morgan James Peters, but he is also known affection affectionately as uh, Brother Mualim or the Funky Professor. Uh, first of all, Brother Mualim, thank you for joining us here on Make It Plain. Oh, thanks for having me on, brother. Most definitely. It, it, it's a pleasure to meet you. And to start this way in terms of the people um, and the group and the, the tribe, really, from which you hail, you are yourself uh, Wampanoag, correct? Yes, sir. Mashpee is my tribe, and I'm of the Wampanoag Nation. And but, I'm enrolled, sorry, go ahead. I was saying, but yes, an enrolled member of the Mashpee tribe. And so this was the the tribe or the nation that actually encountered those first pilgrim settler colonialists at this time that we tend to commemorate as Thanksgiving, correct? Right, right. It was it was in fact members of the Wampanoag Nation, a at least at that point, different tribe. But one of the things that I need to make plain to people is the concept of tribe shifted dramatically once the colonists were involved. Um, tribal affiliation within the nation was largely based on where you lived and what your community was. And what um, the colonists did was turn it into basically a blood lineage pedigree type of situation. So for example, let's say you lived in what we now refer to as the Herring Pond tribe. Let's say that which would be the area of Plymouth. Let's say you were Herring Pond, you lived in the Herring Pond area, so you were Herring Pond Wampanoag. Well, then you moved, say, to Nauset, and you lived among the Nauset for a period of time. Well, now you're in Nauset Wampanoag. You know, so it was that type of thing. But then the colonists came along and now created sharp categories. So and um, what then also becomes interesting is you have these sharp categories of tribes and we're all interrelated. So sorry to go into that. 
but just wanted to explain one of the points of impact. I want people to understand that because I want people to be educated um, about the culture. Um, talk to us, if you would, a bit about what this so-called holiday means for the Wampanoag Nation. It was a, it's an atrocity, and a big part of the atrocity is the lie, the lie that was perpetuated by um, largely the myth of the mythology of the United States. But then the mythology of the United States, particularly combined with um, Macy's, believe it or not. What we now understand as Thanksgiving was actually crafted by Macy's as, as a countdown for the shopping days. Now, as a kid, I lived in New York City, and I will tell you, I loved the Thanksgiving parade. I used to love going, you know, going and standing in the freezing cold and watching the big balloons and the, and the marching bands from down south go by. That that was a big thrill. So I'm I'm not, you know, that that was that was wonderful. But in line with that, we have to acknowledge the fact that the entire parade is designed to march you right into Macy's, which is why the parade goes down Broadway and stops right in front of Macy's and has Santa Claus at the end of the parade, because now this is the official opening of Santa Claus land, where all the kids now go in and tell Santa what they want, and their parents then go down to the toy store department and buy it. That was how Thanksgiving as we know it was was you know made the large scale holiday and of course it was serendipity because we were dealing at at the point that that was introduced we're dealing with a new wave of immigrants and so this new wave of immigrants who all want to be Americans are going to buy into the mythology of you know another another big myth the concept that we have the visual concept that we've been fed of Santa Claus was actually created by Coca Cola. Um, if you look at the traditional images of St. Nicholas, he does not look like the Santa Claus that we, you know, exactly, you know, dressed very differently, carries himself very differently. But this was an idea, again, Coca-Cola's colors are red and white. So you now sell this image of this red and white fat jolly man, you know. Um, so the, the but tying that together with the um, atrocity, because what we also have to look at is the United States is a nation that is entirely built on commerce. It has no culture. It has no history and it has no real traditions except those that it co-opted, largely from black and brown people, down to even the fact that the United States exists. The entire concept of the many create the one was actually an idea initiated by native people. When you look at the Algonquin Compact, which subsequently uh, inspired the Iroquois Compact, and the Iroquois Compact itself is the is basically where they got the entire idea of a multi-state government, and the and you know the notion that we have many tribes under one nation, or that we have many nations who live in concordance with each other and you know have a confederation that's what the united states is based on you know borrowing that concept so when we look at the overall situation and the overall atrocity it's the commercial effect and it's of course the commercial effect of trying to clean up the ugly parts of the reality of the history now the thanksgiving meal that always gets referenced is that you had some pilgrims and you had some Wampanoags and the pilgrims were so thankful for the, to the Wampanoags for helping them to survive that they decided to sit down and break bread together. Let me tell you the real story. Real story, 
pilgrims, yes, we're having a harvest celebration. Real story. As part of their celebration, they were firing off muskets. Real story. About 90 Wampanoag men came to investigate why are we hearing musket shots and showed up at the, uh, the colonists' encampment. And the colonists scared out of their wits because 90 native people came, offered them food. That's the, that's the real story. It was offer food so they don't hurt us. And by the way, the 90 men who showed up did not show up to harm anybody. They showed up unarmed, basically. They were just, what's going on? What, you know, what, what is this? Thanksgiving, the first Thanksgiving holiday that was sanctioned by Massachusetts initially was actually in celebration of victories in Metacomet's war. Metacomet, otherwise known as King Philip, who was by the colonists beheaded and his head was placed on a pike in the middle of Plymouth's post office square where it sat for 25 years, flesh rotting off into a skull. This is what they did to the um, leader of the Wampanoag people before selling his wife and children into slavery in Bermuda. So the Thanksgiving was to celebrate the victory against native people. Subsequent Thanksgiving was sanctioned by Abraham Lincoln. His also was in celebration of the fact that he authorized the largest mass hanging in US history where he authorized the hanging of 200 native men, women and children in order to clear the area. We also have to bear in mind, by the way, good old Abraham Lincoln, one of his early uh, campaign brags was that he could shoot an Indian baby in the head in the arms of its mother from 100 yards away, something that he had done a lot as a young man. So, you know, when, when we talk about Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator, the great hero, Abraham Lincoln was one of the great Indian killers who also sanctioned Thanksgiving in honor of this, you know, this slaughter, this victory. So those were the Thanksgivings. But then, th like I said, goes back to, we now come up to Macy's, the concept of Thanksgiving that had been introduced by Abraham Lincoln, the very American president, now becomes this very American holiday based on a lie. More MIP after this message. What do the Wampanoag people do on this weekend? What do you do, as a matter of fact? How, how do you all? I know for many it is a national day of mourning. Do you participate in those types of observances? And beyond that, what? how do you observe it? How do you, how do you recognize it? I did for many years participate in the observances. There, there have been rallies and protests held at Plymouth, at Plymouth Rock um, every year organized by um, United Indians of New England. And I have participated in those and I have to cheer some of the activities that have taken place down to the year that somebody stole Plymouth Rock. By the way, if you go visit the Plymouth Rock site, the rock that's down there ain't the rock that <laughs> was there uh, 60 years ago. I don't know where the rock that was there 60 years ago is now. I have no idea where it is, but I know that ain't it because it got lowered into the back of a pickup truck. And of course, this was back in the days before we had internet and surveillance. So by the time the police arrived, said pickup truck was way down Route 44. So the story goes. Well, wait, wait, wait. Hold it for a minute. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. 
So wait a minute, brother. So do do we we know who took the rock? Was it uh uh yeah, I mean, do we have any idea? Uh I have idea. <laughs> I honestly wasn't there when it happened, so I, I don't you know. I mean, I have an idea, but that's all it is. Theory, you know. We will call it we'll call it a critical rock theory. How about that? I love it. Critical rock theory. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But now, so I just want to be clear. Are you Im implying, however, that those uh, perhaps more, shall we say, uh, empathetic to the indigenous cause uh, facilitated the rock's disappearance? Is that is that what you're suggesting? What I'm saying is that when the rock disappeared, there were native people there and there were allies there. Now, I don't know who lifted the rock. I don't know who owned the truck that the rock got lowered into. And I don't know who drove off with the rock. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know these things. I got in you. Fact, in, in fact, let me put it like this, brother. I grew up in the Bronx. I ain't see shit. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. What, what, what year was this? I ain't seen nothing. I ain't know nothing. I just heard some stuff, you know. So what, what year but, was this? What year did the did the rock uh, walk off? This was this was at some point in the seventies. Wow, amazing! I did. I don't think I knew that story. Okay, bless nope, your heart. No, nope. well, well, of course, Plymouth they ain't gonna tell that story because that rock is part of their tourism trade. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so, now, now this this is another little funny thing about when we talk about double standards. Okay, the original rock that was designated Plymouth Rock was designated so based on hearsay, oral tradition. The great uncle of somebody's grandmother's great aunt somehow remembered that this was the rock that whoever set, you know, placed their foot on when they got off of the uh, rowboat from the Mayflower. Now, again, this is all based on hearsay and oral tradition, but that's perfectly acceptable for their point. Think of how much documentation we have to provide to prove that we're native people, to prove that our tribe really exists, that our tribe has continued to exist, you know, the whole, the whole uh, farce of federal recognition. You know, think of how everything has to be documented, document, document, document. You know, we talk about black history, black American history. Everything has to be paperwork, 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 paperwork. And, you know, and it's interesting because this is almost exclusively imposed on people who are rooted in oral tradition. More MIP after this message. Right, right. And and so and why is there because what you just described is their oral tradition. That's that's pale skin's oral, oral tradition. Mm -hmm. Why is his oral tradition more valid than the indigenous peoples or anybody else's? That's that's the real question. Now, speaking of which, um, you play a big role in oral tradition. You are you're an artist, you're a music artist, but but you're a storyteller as well, aren't you? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Storyteller. Um, and get to be a keeper of two different um, cultural aspects. One of the aspects that I was trained and raised in is what they refer to as the New World Griot, 
and that was recognizing the oral tradition that came over from West, well, the various traditions, I have to say plural, that came over from West Africa, the keepers of those traditions, but particularly utilizing storytelling as a form of healing, as a form of recording history, as a form of preserving morals and, you know, moral and ethical codes. Uh, that's particularly what our, what our griots did, you know, when we, when we go to West Africa and look at the various traditions, these are people who memorize thousands and thousands of years of history um, and could recite it at a spot. These are people, you know, and the thing is, even in terms of our stories and our folk tales, our stories and folk tales, Westerners refer to as philosophy, and they make it a separate branch. Our folk tales are not separated from philosophy. Our, you know, because within our fiction, lie many main truths and of course we see this continue as we read the writings of Langston Hughes as we read the writings of Thompson Highway as we read the you know as we read the writings of the various black and brown authors who come from these traditions now one other tradition that i sort of helped rejuvenate in the Wampanoag people is Ahanainen sacred clown or laugh, laughter keeper this was a tradition that largely got suppressed and almost pushed out of understanding um, pretty much by the church. The involvement of the church with the Wampanoag people because bear in mind, any of our spiritual practices or traditions were threatening. And if you could go talk to a medicine person and seek counsel, you didn't need to go to church. You didn't need to buy into the religion. You know, th this is this is what this is what got sold to us. But in terms of the or in terms of our the keeping of our oral tradition, recognizing how important this was, you know, coming from family of storytellers and historians um, on both sides, both official and unofficial, this was something that was done. This was a tradition that I was somewhat born into and formalized and continued. Well, first, let, let me let me well, let me put it this way. Is there a um, a parallel? Because I hear you talk about our West African tradition and mm -hmm. their storytelling, mm -hmm. um, and then you speak of the tradition uh, amongst the indigenous people and even the sacred clown. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 and you know more enlightened about this to me. But when, when you say that to me, if I were your student, then I would say, well, is there any comparison? between the sacred clown tradition and Native American culture um, and the, um, the trickster um, uh, tradition in, in West African culture. Uh, and, and, and let me just, as you respond to that, I might also ask you to consider, so I um, knew Dr. Ivan Van Sertima and mm. he talked about, as, as I'm sure you're well aware, mm. that they came before Columbus. Um, oh, yes. Which is not, implausible i mean again if unless you totally believe that white people were the first people on earth it's not implausible that other human beings traveled and migrated and interacted with other human beings around the world okay Businesses. so <laughs> right i mean why wouldn't they i mean it just does it's not really that complicated to fathom so so address that if you would um because that is one of the things i find unique about your experience um well uh, uh, you know, black folk. Some, you know, back in the day, it was popular uh, for some black folk to say, "Well, I got a little, got a little Indian in me," uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we know that the different reasons we said that not always for the best reasons. You know, we didn't think enough of ourselves. 
and then it was is interesting. I, I I work with um I'm on the board of African Ancestry, which has the African DNA. Um, and you know some folk get upset, uh, brother Marlene, mm-hmm. when they do the DNA, and it doesn't come back Native American. Wait a minute, my grandmother told us we Native American. So what, what, that's not what the DNA said, but it's just so stuff like that gets handed down. But anyway, talk to us about the the parallels between. Um, literally, there's a parallel within you, but it sounds like there's some parallel uh, between the cultures in general and the customs when it comes to storytelling and, and being a griot. Oh, I mean, it's well, bear in mind, uh, let me give this disclaimer. What I'm saying is theoretical based on my own studies. And in terms of my own study, I would say there is considerable intersectionality between the different traditions. And I think I, and my now number one, I'm one of those people who recognizes that there were seafaring people from regions of Africa that date back to the 1100s. I'm one of those people who understands that the seafaring people were not flat out, were not flat earth theorists and regularly visited the other continents. I'm one of those people who believes that people predate the separation of the continents. Um, you know, so this is why you had people occupying the various continents. Um, and one of the ways as a storyteller and a folklorist that I'm really beginning to recognize is again, the intersectionality. Now, um, sorry, but as a storyteller, I gotta tell you the story. As a young man, in I was a college student, and I was actually on my way to visit the um, for the first time. There's a theater. There, well, there was a theater in New York City called the National Black Theater, located at the corner of 125th and Fifth Avenue. Well, on my way to visit this theater for the first time, I rode. I, I again, I lived in the Bronx, so I went from the Bronx, which of course meant a two train ride to the corner of 125th and Lenox Avenue, otherwise known as the corner of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. While I'm standing at the corner, on my way, you know, here's the symbolic ironies upon irony. As I'm on my way across the street eastward, there's an um, elder standing next to me, um, elder from her accent, I would say Cubana, who looked at me and said, can I touch your forehead? And I said, certainly. You know, I'm like, it sounded odd, but I'm like, okay, sure. She touches my forehead and then she reaches in her pocket and pulls out three pennies and drops them in my hand and says, your father's going to ask you for these one day. And goes on about her business. Now I'm like, my father's going to ask me for three pennies one day. You know, completely mystified me. I get to um, the National Black Theater where I meet a brother named Nabi. Um, Nabi, uh, you now see his son on television and films all the time, a brother named Faison. He used to be, um, he was in Clueless and things like that. But Nabi, I meet Nabi and I'm still like mentally dealing with, you know, what, what, you know, what just the oddity that just transpired. So I told, you know, I told Navi, it just had a really interesting thing happen. And um, 
as when I explain this to him, I see a smile form on his face. And he said, she was Latina, wasn't she? And I said, yeah. He said, okay. And that was when Yoruba was first explained to me. And the interesting thing was, what a lot of people don't realize, National Black Theater Festival was complete. Basically, what they did was translated or reclaimed all of the elements of theater that had been attributed to the Greeks. They instead made Yoruba, down to even having a... Um, alter to Oshun in the theater space. And the um, story of the Ifa is told as you walk up the stairway, it's told as a mural going up the staircase. And anyway, um, so she dropped, and I, I, I said, well, my dad, and he said, well, I wouldn't, I'm not having read you or anything would probably assume that she's saying you're a child of Alegua. And I'm like, okay. And he explained to me, Alegua, the trickster, crossroads. Well, subsequent to that, I have a reading and I'm a child of Alegua. That reading was done by a um, Santera. The reading done, a reading done completely independent of that was done by a Babalao using cola nuts. I'm a child of Alegua. <laughs> I okay. go, okay. I, I, I go into a botanica, and I'm marched directly to the head behind the door and told to salute, and taught how to salute, and you know. So once again, child of Alegua. As as the owner of the store, um, gifts a red and black bracelet to me. I see. So so I realized that yes, the Ahana Enin being a child of Alegua, the intersection, and of course, as I then began looking at folk tales and folklore. Now, when we look at Yoruba folklore, we have Obatala, who was said to be a giant who traveled many places. When we look at comedic um, folklore, as they like to refer to it as mythology, we find out that you know the uh, comedic, the self-identified term for for what the Greeks called Egyptians. We find out that Osir, who the Greeks called Osiris, was a giant with horns that traveled every place. He had horns and traveled every place. Well, the Wampanoag people have a giant named Marshall who came to our region, so it said, from the Southeast. And I'm saying, so why, do, so I'm saying all three people, all three groups have this traveling giant. And then of course, you know, so this is where I begin to see the intersectionality, just like you know, and, and to, to let you know that the concept of European co-opting goes back centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries. In my studies of folklore, I find out, okay, so Osiris had horns and Isis had wings. And then when we look at the um, earth-based religious practices of the people of like Germany and old England and Scotland, they have a winged goddess and a horned god.
again, that, that intersection and that intersection of how that's what traveled northward. And now again, when we wonder why did it travel northward, it goes back to the, guess what region the seafaring Africans were coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. I knew I, knew I was asking the right person the right question. Uh, your, your, your students are blessed sit under your feet my brother um but talk to us about the music too because you're you're a musician uh, i think you've got some music i let people know about the, the projects you're working on and 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 where they can see you where they can find you oh by all means by all means i what, what i do is I, I found a positive application for what the colonists call add and <laughs> so i um when you if you if you're Viewers, look me up, Mualim. They go to my website, The Funky Professor. You will find out that I'm a writer with a novel called Land of the Black Squirrels, which I refer to as a hip-hop jazz folktale. Now, why I call it Land of the Black Squirrels is if you've ever been to the Bronx, you've seen black squirrels. That's so, right. <clears throat> so it's, that's my I, I didn't tell you this. I actually live in the Bronx right now. I live in Oh, word. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, word, yeah, word. Yeah. All right. So, so what I did was I decided I was going to give the Bronx an indigenous nickname. So it's Land of the Black Squirrels, wow. as far as, as far as I'm concerned. That's great. Um, so that's one uh, one aspect. The other pieces you can find if you look. I the beginning of this month released a house music album. Um, I'm a househead. Uh, ever ever since I snuck into the Paradise Garage as a teenager and heard Larry Levon. I became a househead. Well, actually, it was garage back then, but you know, I'll um, acquiesce to the to, to what the people from Chicago call what we were dancing to in New York before, before Frank. Oh, Frankie Knuckles, by the way, is from the Bronx. Before he took his yeah. stuff to Chicago, that's right. And, he was, and he used to be, and he was an apprentice to Larry Levon at the Paradise Garage. So you know, before Chicago gets too full of itself, you came from the land of hip hop, y'all. Anyway, no. But, <laughs> but um I have a but I have a house music album called Polymath's Grotto. Um I play with a band. I'm one of the resident songwriters. The band is called the Groovalados. We have six Grammy nominations on our debut album. The name of the debut album is Ask Your Mama. Don't ask me what to ask your mama. That's between the two of you. But the name of the album is Ask Your Mama by the Groovalados, so you can check that out. You can also, if you go on like any of the streaming platforms, we have some newer music coming out, including we did some remixes on that album and that's coming out on April 20th of 2022. Uh, the name of that one is Mama's Hamper. No explanation necessary. And, <laughs> no. <laughs> Outstanding, outstanding. And the, with, with the interesting thing, again, when you talk about things coming together, with the Groovalados, when we really, 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 really began to grow as a band, it was an entirely Black Native band. I'm Mashby Wampanoag. Our drummer, who passed away last year, is Choctaw Cherokee, Eddie Ray Johnson. And our bass player at the time, who also passed away, um, Christopher Sweeting, is, um, Cher was Cherokee. So we had... Um, we had a, a Afro native setup basically going. And this is of course what then made me start researching and finding out Buddy Waters was Choctaw. Now the part that really has me 
cracking up is um I am 90% sure based on research that James Brown is Apache. What? Is that right? I am 90% certain he's did, did he did he know that? I don't believe so or at least he never really talked about it. Okay. But but one of the things is look at his build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and yeah. then go to and then go to an Apache powwow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I mean now that you it's funny when you say things out loud. Yeah. And then the brain starts singing an image and say, wait a minute, that's that's not implausible either. I mean, considering his build and his his look. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. not no, that's not that's not far fetched at all. A amazing. And um, amazing. but but finding out again the intersectionality and as a again as a folklorist, one of the things that I found out was there had been many many years where musicologists were trying to find out, you know, they real they when they were studying the blues. Uh -huh. They were able to they were able to find traces trace effort, um, references or connections of the blues to the music of Ghana and to the music of Senegal, but there were elements that they were not able to quite figure out. And it was actually there's a um, musician artist uh, who lives in Connecticut by the name of Mixa Sean Rosie, who was the first one to open my eyes to this construct. Oh, incidentally, Chuck Berry, Cherokee. But um, along the along the lines with that, um, he start he was able to say, yeah, that missing line. Listen to your traditional Eastern songs, and tell me that doesn't sound like a blues whale. Mm. And then mm. I and, and and you know when he said that. I then went and listened to the Black Lodge singers and Mystic River and all of my East, all of my favorite big drum native groups. And then I turned around and listened to some B.B. King and some Robert Johnson. Yes, sir. And some and some Willie Dixon. Yes, sir. And yes, realized sir. and realized this is like a remix of native music. You know, this is like somebody did a dance mix on some native music. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But realized that the blues is a composite of African and native music. Uh. Basically played on co-opted European instruments because I, I then came to find out that neither the piano nor the guitar nor the bass actually originated in Europe. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah, listen. listen, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So wait a minute. So I got a double entendre for you. Um critical rock theory in terms of Plymouth rock and then mm -hmm. critical rock theory in terms of music rock. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. I, well, bro, I, brother, I, I'm sorry. Go I, ahead. I, I was going to put it like this. Willie Dixon took Led Zeppelin to court and won. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's, something, that's all she that's, wrote. That's, that's all something. she wrote. <laughs> My brother, in closing, if you don't mind, um, because it, this is still, a, a, as far as I'm concerned, um, a weekend that should be considered sacred for the right reasons. Um, what would you say to people listening? How would you ask them uh, to commemorate this weekend out of respect uh, for Native American or indigenous culture? People who are at home think about what, what can I do? What can I do to better myself? What can I read? What can I learn? How should I spend this weekend? Have you any advice or suggestions? 
Besides, besides, listen to some of your music, folks, and we'll give you the website before we go. But go ahead, please. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, honestly, what I always tell people is more a matter of refocus. You're not you. What you were doing is coming together with your family. Celebrate that. Celebrate that you're bringing you're bringing several generations together around the table to share a meal, share a good time. Celebrate that because we don't do that enough. And especially this generation now, you know, the generations as we go on, we don't do that enough. You know, as I remember our aunts and uncles and parents getting together to play cards or watch TV on a rather regular basis, you don't see that happen as much. So by all means, utilize this time for family, utilize this time to come together, but utilize this time, you know, when our ancestors had holiday meals, we were not utilizing that time to celebrate white supremacy. And that, you know, and that's, you know, the big thing to understand. Thanksgiving is designed to have everybody vicariously celebrate white supremacy. Christmas is designed to have everybody vicariously celebrate white supremacy. When you remove that element, when you remove that history, and realize that, that the story that you that Thanksgiving is built around is a lie, then understand that this is a family meal. This is a family gathering. And, you know, everybody closed down everybody's day off, so why not? You know, so um, the, the reason to celebrate is that you're together. Yeah. The reason to celebrate is that you're still here. What is not the reason to celebrate is the pilgrims. What is not the reason to celebrate is to keep passing the lie down to your children about the pilgrims and the Indians and everybody coming together for that, you know. You are not commemorating that. And not to mention in the middle of a pandemic, they brought diseases with them. So oh, yes. the first pandemic on that rock they brought with them. Folks, we want to invite you to go to the website. Um, oh, the, the other I'm, thing they the other thing they brought with them that's destructive to everybody. We didn't have um, dandelions until the English showed up, mm. which is why they choke out our lawns because there's no natural defense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> amazing, amazing. Um, the funky D A funky P H U N K E E professor.com d-a-p-h-u-n-k funk with a p-h duh d-a-funky k-e-e professor.com check him out and, and folks you can see hear some of his music there my brother this has truly been an honor and a blessing and it will not be this is by way of introduction it will not be the last time we have you on this show as i said your your students are very blessed to have you thank you and brother. we, we thank appreciate you. your perspective and intersection uh folks he's actually joining us from his vehicle now I don't want to get too many people in trouble. I should not, in, in, in this process of critical rock theory, I should not infer that the vehicle you were in um, uh, was or was not the vehicle in which the rock was was loaded into when it was driven away. It, it, well, I don't. I, I, I can say I'm sitting in the 2021. <laughs> so wasn't that way. And 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 when and I can also say that when the rock was stolen, it was well before I was of driving age. 
Got you. I got you. All right, brother. <laughs> uh, he, he, he's, he stands uh, acquitted, folks. Um, brother brother Mualim, Dr. Morgan James Peters, uh, UMass Dartmouth, also the Funky Professor. Again, D-A-P-H-U-N-K-E-E Professor.com. Check out all he's doing. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, brother. And thank you to your audience for giving me giving me their time. Wonderful. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. <laughs>